Welcome back to another podcast sponsored by the IAD interns. And this past weekend, I was able to attend the Bounce Back event, which is an annual event sponsored by Tay Women United. Um, and the focus of that was food and seed sovereignty. It also included live music, a tree planting demonstration, and a panel discussing food and seed sovereignty. So I was there to record the food and seed sovereignty panel. Um, which was a collective of Tay Women United members, as well as some Northern New Mexico agriculture organizations. So I just wanted to start by saying thank you to Tay Women United and the panelists for letting me record, um, but also for sharing all the wonderful insights that you did. With that said, I won't be including the full recording of the panel because it was a little over an hour long. Um, and keeping in mind that our podcasts usually run from six to 20 minutes, so I wanted to keep within that time frame. But for those of you who want to listen to the full podcast, you can reach out to me via IAD's Facebook or social media accounts, as well as Taywim United. So with that said, here are the panelists introducing themselves, and it starts off with Beata Sosipena, who is the Environmental Health and Justice Program Coordinator for Taywim United. Um, as well as the other members. Um, so I just want to thank you all for being here and listening to, uh, we have an amazing panel of experts um, that are all farmers and seed savers, seed keepers. And we're just going to have a go round on seeds, food and seed sovereignty and what that means to us, what's the importance of it, the challenges we face. Um, maybe just hold your questions till the end, until we all have a chance, if that's okay. And then um, we'll, we'll open it up for dialogue and questions at the end. So, um, thank you. And we'll, we'll let everyone introduce themselves. I already introduced myself. I work with Table Women United's Environmental Health and Justice Program. Hello, everybody. My name is Dona Gonzalez. I am a farm trainer and farm manager for the New Mexico Azteca Association. I love what I do. Absolutely love it. I get to work outside, you know, every day um, and, and the dirt with Mother Earth, touching seeds, growing food, and feeding beautiful little babies. So that's just a quick wrap up. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Miguel Santisteban. I'm here with the New Mexico Aseca Association, and uh, I helped found the New Mexico Food and Seed Sovereignty Alliance back in uh, 2006. So we've been working on that issue ever since. Uh, I also have a nonprofit called Agriculture Implementation Research and Education, where we do just that. And uh, so I produce radio, I do writing, research, and I have a small Aseca irrigated farm in Taos. And I've been the Mayordomo, I've been the president, I've been involved in adjudication. So I feel like I really understand the issues in terms of water, food, seeds, and uh, climate change. I have a master's degree in ecology, so I also study uh, climate change and environmental issues at that level. So happy to be here. I'm glad all you are here and uh, so we can carry all this on. Buenas tardes. Good afternoon. Thank you. Buenas tardes. My name is Lupita Salazar, and I work with the Northern Youth Project. We do arts and agriculture programming with teens and their little cousins and little brothers and sisters. Whoever else shows up, 
Um, and we got our table over there if you want to come check us out and do some art with us. We got some fun things. Um, I also um, have a small farm up in Canyones in my family's ranch, Cadencia Creations. And um, been planting and farming for a good while since I was a little kid and kind of got back into it after I left. So my uh, knowledge is a little bit more hands-on and experiential and uh, trial and error. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Emily Ertim. I'm 25 years old, and I'm also a young farmer and someone that cares for our seeds here locally. I was very lucky to grow up in the valley between Tusuke and Puake. I am not from any of our ancestral families here in New Mexico, but I've been very blessed to get to spend the good portion of my last years learning from some incredible folks like Yata and Miguel and Doné. Uh, right now, I work in the office at the New Mexico Asequia Association as part of their youth education team. And right now, I also have the honor of working with a group of awesome youth who you guys will hear from in just a little bit who are helping lead the Seed Library project. So I'm getting to mentor and work with Beata on that and also with this great group of youth who are helping put together that project. So thank you, guys. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Chastity Salvador. I'm from the Pueblo of Acoma. I'm 24 years old, um, and I work with Table Women United, um, and I'm starting to learn about seed saving. Um, I want to learn more about it. I have a small field back in Acoma. Um, where I helped my dad grow a bunch of corn, a bunch of melon, and I, my experience and my knowledge comes from him. It comes from my grandmother, um, and it comes from just returning back from college and being like, I just want to farm, and I just want to be with the seeds and the dirt. So that's where my journey is starting, and I'm happy to be here with you all. Next, you'll hear from Beata Sosi as she describes Tay Women United's initiatives in relation to food and seed sovereignty and initiatives to protect the land as well, and things that endanger those, specifically in northern New Mexico. So I've been working with the environmental health and justice work about 11 years now. And the way I approach food and seed sovereignty is looking at the big picture of we all need clean air, land, water, soil, ecosystem to have healthy seeds and food. So it's kind of hard to see all of the issues that we face in northern New Mexico from extraction industries, from nuclear weapons production up at Los Alamos. Um, we have a couple Superfund sites here in Española. And then also the threats to our seeds from genetic engineering and GMO corporations that we've been keeping at bay as a large part of the work with the New Mexico Food and Seed Sovereignty Alliance that Miguel mentioned he helped to found. Um, so part of our work with Tay Women United is keeping a foot in in all those areas um, to address the environmental violence that's happening so that we have clean soil to plant these relatives in so that we continue to look for ways to address these issues um, in our own backyards. So here at the Healing Foods Oasis, last year we were engaging in community myco and bioremediation workshops. So that's using mycelium to 
inoculate the soil to help because the mycelium helps to draw out and digest toxicity and it also helps to localize pollution and to where your only waste product is the fruiting body of the mushroom and it also helps to break down toxins to where they're no longer toxic but can be used as food for plants um, so an example of that in the farmers market field down the street um, we use turkey tail mushrooms to try and inoculate the soil for RDX contamination we found, which can only come from high explosives, um, which is from the Los Alamos and the militarism that's happening here in our ancestral lands. Um, so we were specifically looking for toxins that could be tied to the military activities. Um, RDX accumulates in the leaves of plants. So to me, it's like knowing what we're dealing with. It's like, okay, we can line our acequias with these mushroom bricks. We can put it in our soil. I can plan on planting fruiting plants versus like lettuce and chard that I'm gonna eat the leaves. And that's just knowing one thing that's in our soil in one field. So the work that needs to be done on a larger scale, the whole river system, um, anyone that's irrigating we need to be advocating for resources and funding and health studies and an end to the militarism and capitalistic extraction industries that are endangering our water and soil and air. Um, and it's a huge dilemma that we're faced with. It's, it's no easy task, but I think it's work that is in alignment with what our ancestors have been doing here for thousands of years. And like Donna mentioned, um, these seeds are our physical, spiritual, cultural relationships that we have a responsibility to take care of and continue. And I don't like to use that word ownership. They're, they are our cultural property, but um, that capitalistic system relies on us internalizing that idea of ownership of earth and seeds and these things that are supposed to be here for everybody that were given to us as gifts from our creator um, nobody should have ownership of these things they should be given freely for everyone to survive and sustain themselves so there's a lot of work we're doing now on we want this garden to be a GE free zone we want Espanola to create an ordinance and resolution to be a GE free zone that we need people to support. And we need, a, we need to be careful with what's going on in the roundhouse in the capital. You know, they're, they are putting forth a Native Seeds Protection Act this year. But again, a big chunk of that bill is about ownership and, pro and the property ownership of seeds and who has the right to claim ownership of seeds um, and why is it only tribal communities that can claim ownership of seeds you know so I have a lot of concerns about that and um, to me these are things that are the commons that are public domain we all have our spiritual ties to our seeds and they need to be there for our children to use freely as needed and you know whenever we want to step into that 
that role of taking care of them and becoming seed keepers, um, it entails all of these issues. And we can't just be farmers anymore. We have to be advocates for the environment. As Beata talked about the environmental dangers imposed on food and seed sovereignty, and therefore land, you'll hear personal perspectives from Lupita Salazar of the Northern Youth Project, as well as Chastity Salvador of Tay Women United, as they discuss their relationship with the land and the importance of community in food and seed sovereignty. Maybe, how many of you have left your community or are planning on leaving your community to go to school or get a job? Or are you just gonna get out for a minute? Yeah? Okay, cool. I was kind of in the same boat like Donne was talking about. Um, I graduated from a teeny tiny high school up in Gaina, and I was like, I'm out. I'm done. I did this whole rural life thing, and I'm gonna go to Los Angeles. And so I did. And that was a bit intense, but it was all part of a journey to, to bring me back, I believe. Um, and within that, urban jungle um, I realized what was missing because I had never been without it I had always grown up with the land I'd always grown up falling in the acequia chasing after my brothers I'd always been planting and eating from our own land so I never knew what it was like to be without it but in Los Angeles it's like kind of like what Donna was saying I freaked out um, I got sick but I'm a little bit like intense so I stuck it out for a while <laughs> And um, but every summer I'd come home and I would really, really just want to be in the garden. I'd really want to be outside all the time. Um, and slowly I started trying to make my way back home. And um, it's kind of been a theme in the last couple of months talking with other farmers that are around my age, like about how we left and that was part of our journey back and how coming back is actually harder than when we left because you come back with all these ideas, all this knowledge, all these thoughts about who you are now and what you've learned and how you're different, but you come back to a rural community that might not have changed very much, might not be open to your ideas, might need you to prove yourself. Um, so in the years of me coming back and working the land and trying to plan to try and make a living as a farmer, which as, as um, uh, Miguel and Beata are talking about is very difficult in a capitalist society that wants you to pay your mortgage, wants you to buy into things. Um, it's been a cultural shift for myself and my family because I grew up thinking I got to do this on my own, I got to make money, I got to go out there and you know have a career, have a retirement. Um, and maybe I'm not doing it right, but right now it's my path to try and come back and work the land and try and figure out if not only for me, but for the kids that I work with that want to stay in their communities, want to farm. How can we make it work here? How can we build our own communities? How can we dream about what we want in our rural areas and actually help make it happen? Um, and what I found was that I just got a plant, which sounds like, oh, it's all easy. You get the seeds, you put it in the ground. Nada. No. <laughs> You gotta tend that seed, you gotta mother it, you father it, you got to take care of it. And when people see you out there doing that, they trust you. I have a theory that it takes three years for people in a rural community to trust you and to be like, Mija, do you want some seeds? I have these things in my house. And you're like, yes. You know, three years for someone to be like, can I buy some tomatoes from you? Like, yes, please. You know, like three years for someone to actually help you um, fix a gopher hole in your acequia so you don't have to do it by yourself. Um, 
But within that too, I think we have to, as young folks, I, I'm, I'm looking at a, a audience of younger folks. So I feel like what I can offer is, is my experiences of trying to live off the land and having that mentality that we get in school and in college that we have to do it by ourselves. That is not how we should go forward, is my opinion. I think we have to work together. I think we have to build community with each other, community that looks different, community of different ages, different cultures. Hang out with elders, man. They're cool and they'll talk to you for days and you'll learn all kinds. But if people wanna hang out with you, hang out in the field. Let's go pull weeds. Let's eat from what we grow. Let's go wild, harvest something. Um, I feel like we need to create, in our, I, I come from a very rural area up in uh, Canyones near Abiquiu. And um, I feel like that area is getting gentrified by people coming in from different areas. And it's a whole other story, right? Of who's able to afford to live there. But I think folks that have that tie, have that um, connection to the land, have uh, maybe their grandparents have a open field. I think we need to see that wealth but also see that it has a, a lot of sweat, what do you call it, sweat equity that you gotta put in. It's not like, oh, you just show up and you own it. No, it's not ownership, that sucker owns you. You have to put in time and energy, you have to put in your heart and soul, and you have to encourage each other because it's not easy. So, um, I guess, what did I have? I wrote something down. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that um, in these times, the most revolutionary act that I've been able to come up with and formulate in my mind is to plant a seed, tend to it, and eat from it, save the seed, and plant it again. By planting that seed, you declare independence. Um, so my story is very similar to Lupita's and what's the one with in college and in college I was so lost and I studied um, comparative studies and race and ethnicity so of course I studied all the different systems that oppress people of color, oppress indigenous people, oppress women um, and felt lost in that I didn't know what my solutions were or which way I would go um, and as Lupita I would come home every summer actually I came home the last two summers and I just started farming with my dad remember he told me this story one time which was about our acequias or our ditch system in the Pueblo and it was about how if you look at it from like an like a top view like the whole system looks like a woman it looks like a mother and he told me a story about when you want when you start to plant um, you have to open her up you have to open her heart and she gives you all the sustenance, she gives you all the water to plant that year, that summer. Um, and it was something about that story that was really, that really touched me. Um, and something about that story, something about my dad sharing it with me, it just like completely changed how I thought about solving things or how I thought about going about my life because I think for many of us, but also as a young Pueblo girl going off to school, I was like, I want to get as far away from this place as I can, right? The same kind of story. Um, and because I think the really embedded patriarchy that exists 
in our communities, many of our communities. Um, and I thought I could solve all those problems, right, when I went to school. And I realized I couldn't. It's too much. It's all these systems connected that keep me oppressed, right? Keep someone like me oppressed. And that keep these um, issues in my community to keep happening. And so, something about, sorry, I go on rants, but back to that story. It was just something so powerful about my dad sharing it with me and him being like, this is the place, this is the classroom, this is, these are the books, the soils, the books, and that teaching us how to be in relationship with each other, how to love each other, how to care for each other. Um, and like, to me in my mind, I was like, this is how you dismantle the patriarchy, right? But it wasn't really like that. It was, he was just sharing a story. <laughs> but um, it was kind of that heart, I think that hardship and that, that hardness that came from my dad and that relationship and that connection that I was like, whoa, yeah, like everything about farming, everything about planting, it's, it's like connected to women. It's connected to our women in our community. It's connected to our young girls. Um, we, when you think about the seeds and how Lupita was talking about uh, fathering and mothering our seeds, you're really learning about the relationship that you build with children. Um, you learn about the relationship you build with friends, with your partners, with the creator. And so I think that just all of that, it kind of clicked in my head. And I was just like, yeah, this is how we start learn how to take care of our women. This is how we learn how to take care of our girls in our community. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think that's what got me on my journey. And I really think about seeds as being our children, being our teachers. Um, because if you think about the way that they're planted, the way that they grow up, that's exactly how they are. And um, I think my biggest goal in life is to be like a pretty badass, pretty loving mother to children and also to seeds. So that's what I could share. And lastly, you'll hear from Emily Arasim, who is part of the New Mexico Asequia organization and also oversees the Seed Library Youth Project, which is run in collaboration with Tay Women United and Española Public Library. So with that, I want to take a moment to introduce and give some love to a group of youth who are working right now to create the Española Seed Library Project. So if they want to stand up and say their name real loud, give them some love. So now we have at least three, I think four, right? We have five, maybe six. We have so many generations going on. So if you guys want to say your name, where you're from. Um, hi, I'm Amira Shehey. I'm from San Alifonso Pueblo and Zia Pueblo. Hi, my name is Brooke and I'm from San Alifonso. Uh, hi, I'm Cameron and I'm from San Alifonso and also from Okawinge. My name's Mitchell Gray. My name is Cruz and I'm from, what did you say? Where are you from? I'm from Cordova. There you go, Alex. Uh, my name is Alex and I'm from Espanola. Alex. My name is Luis and I'm from Espanola. So what we strive to do is we're building a seed library, um, which is basically file cabinet full of seeds that you can choose from it's all free um, today we worked on planting trees um, and flowers over there and grapes um, we'll be launching this in the fall if you guys have any more information you guys can go ahead and talk to all these 
lovely people. And with that, that concludes today's podcast. Once again, I just want to say thank you to Tay Women United, as well as the panelists for letting me record this. Um, And thank you for inviting me to the Bounce Back event. It was really amazing. Um, And hopefully I get to go again next year. But I'm really looking forward to the types of programming that Tay Women United is going to put on, especially the Youth Seed Library that is opening in Española soon. But again, if you want to listen to the whole panel discussion, you can contact me via IAD's Facebook page or social media, as well as Tay Women United. Our upcoming podcast series includes topics such as the Tobacco Cessation and Prevention Program that IAD is sponsoring, um, so look out for that also this week, as well as an interview with the All Public Council of Governors Youth Committee, which should be out next week. With that, have a good day, everyone.